1: Cena's Kiki! Greetings, Major Tuesday! Ah, uh, yes, we
0: are go- talking about Xenon, girl of the 21st century. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news we want to get through. Uh, apologies. Uh I completely forgot about the Hawkeye trailer until after we finished recording last week.
1: We 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 totally uh blanked on on talking about that. Uh I want Rogers the Musical. Uh some people are already trying to guess what the songs are in Rogers the Musical. The favorite one that I've seen is somebody suggested a song called I'll Be Your Shield, which is the big love duet between Steve and Peggy.
0: People have already writing songs. I've heard one called uh, "We Have a Dance." One's called "I Can." Um, there should be one called "I Can Do This All Day." Uh, one is like "Till the End of the Line" and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I- want Rogers the musical. I wanted a Disney California Adventure. There's a big building that had Frozen the musical in it. It's not there anymore. It's right by Avengers Campus. Put it in there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I would be down for it. It would be much better than Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. As long as nobody gets injured. I, I think it would be better than Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, so again, apologies for not talking about Hawkeye last week. But we do have another Marvel trailer. Marvel's Hit Monkey coming to Hulu in November. Uh we've kind of talked about this before how uh There was plans with Hulu to do a lot of Marvel properties. Uh, We got the Hellstorm one that got made. We had MODOK that came out earlier this year, Hitmonkey. And then there's the ones that unfortunately got canceled, like uh, the Howard the Duck series and the uh, Ghost Rider series. Both of them, I'm really angry that we're never going to get because I really wanted to see what they could do with those two characters.
1: Yeah. I, I was I was really looking forward to most of those, actually.
0: Yeah, but Hitmonkey, it's a monkey, and he's an assassin. That's really all I need to know.
1: <laughs> and that's really all the trailer gives us. Um, there's a couple of uh, quips from the character that Jason Sudeikis voices, and the monkey kills people. And that's all we get. It's a very short trailer.
0: Yeah, the story of Hitmonkey is there's an assassin... He's injured. He goes to this uh, area where there's a lot of snow monkeys. The snow monkeys allow him to stay, and which brings in all of the other assassins that are trying to kill him. So the only surviving monkey is Hitmonkey, and he goes for revenge. That is at least the comic book origin of Hitmonkey. I don't know how much of it they're going to keep for this series, considering that it looks like the ghost of the original assassin is going to be staying with Hitmonkey for a while.
1: Not gonna lie, I consider myself a Marvel fan. I have no idea what Hit Monkey is. He's one of those obscure characters. He's really good friends with Deadpool in the comics. Makes that, me if th- that seems like a very Deadpool thing. <laughs> like I want Hit in Deadpool three. <laughs> that that seems like that seems like a one off joke from Deadpool that somebody went too far with like but dead like deadpool is just standing there and then he's like oh hit monkey it, it's it's a monkey that assassinates people yeah he's my buddy and then somebody just went i want to write like a 20 issue series about that
0: uh, the gritty backstory of this one off joke
1: <laughs> yeah and then somebody's like no 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 that was that was just like a, a three panel joke we put in like one issue of deadpool like no that has to be a series I, d- I have no idea where Hitmonkey comes from and there's probably going to be somebody that's saying, well, actually... Like, no, don't. Just give me my... Give me my...
0: Like I said, all I need to know is that he's a monkey and he's an assassin. That's enough for me. Can't wait till November to see this show.
1: <laughs> yeah, it looks fun. But, you know, just it's a it's a very sparse trailer so far.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: The so... other trailer we got, though...
0: Muppets Haunted Mansion.
1: Which we have been talking about a lot because we're, we're Muppets people. Note, we're actually recording this episode on Jim Henson's birthday. It's a good, good day to talk about it. This trailer is absolute fire. This is such a good trailer. <laughs> Not
0: only you know Muppet references, but references to the Haunted Mansion itself. Welcome, foolish Muppets. Madam Pagoda.
1: Madam Pagoda is now my life. I am 100% here for Madam Pagoda. And
0: uh Hatbox Fozzie.
1: Yes, that was that's also excellent. Um looks like the story is going to be Gonzo and Pepe have to stay in the mansion if they don't they become part of the the mansion.
0: Hey, hey there's room for one more haunt, not two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the interesting thing is is that uh they have revealed that the address of the mansion is also Jim Henson's birthday
0: 924.
1: <laughs> yeah, they re- they revealed that today uh as a as a thing in case you missed that. Uh but it it looks really adorable. I like the things like the Electric mayhem floating around Madame Pagoda's crystal ball and annoying her with the music. <laughs> you know, so things like that. Fozzie's joke about usually I'm the only one dying up here was a really good joke.
0: <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see the, the, this special. It was October 1st, they said, so it's like a week away. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm low on it now. Even if that trailer was the only thing we ever got out of this, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this really, really cute. Um, I hope the full thing has a good pacing. As long as it's got a good pacing, I think it'll, it'll hold up as a concept.
0: With the amount of celebrities they're, they're packing into this, who knows? And there has been some people complaining. Oh, they're putting too many celebrities in these Muppet movies, and why can't let the Muppets do their own thing? And like, we talked about the Muppet movie last year, and like every other scene featured a popular celebrity in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this a a lot when we talked about that about Jim wanting the Muppets to, and and that you know, Disney's Muppets are not Jim's Muppets. Let's let's just point that out. The the Muppets brand was always kind of a celebrity brand. I mean, the Muppets show
0: itself was every week. Here's a special celebrity guest.
1: Yeah, and all of the Muppet movies were constantly cameos with celebrities, and yeah, you know, th- I mean that's that's what Jim wanted with it. So while the Disney Muppets are not Jim's Muppets, that it's not out of character. Even for Jim's Muppets, so you know, eh, let's let's maybe lay off of that a bit. Yeah, I so. think it's just
0: an excuse, any excuse to hate on Disney for anything. There are many reasons to hate on Disney. A bunch of yeah. celebrity cameos in a Muppet movie isn't one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll hate on Disney when appropriate, but you know, that's th- that ain't it. <laughs> Speaking of hating on Disney when appropriate. We we do have a a breaking breaking news.
0: Yeah, this news came out like a few hours ago as we are recording this, so it's still a developing story.
1: All right, so uh, there's a new lawsuit in the works. Um, This one has to do with Marvel. The estate of Steve Ditko has filed a lawsuit against uh, Disney and Marvel to do what is called copyright termination. This all gets a a bit kind of weird and technical. There is a, a provision in copyright law that authors or their heirs can reclaim rights that were originally granted to publishers after a certain statutory time. This would mean that uh, Marvel would have to return partial rights to Ditko's heirs for some of the characters, um, including uh, Spider-Man. Doctor Strange is one of them. Doctor Strange, Iron Man, I think. uh, And considering more of. a, a lot of the Avengers characters.
0: And like considering we're getting a big movie that features both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange.
1: Yeah. How timing? Well, but the rights wouldn't revert. I think until sometime in 2023. So we're we're talking about in a couple of years. Mm. Um, and it would only be for partial um rights. There is um. Another termination notice that had already been filed um, from a former Marvel writer uh, named Larry Lieber. Also, apparently, Black Widow creator
0: Don Rico.
1: I believe that's his heirs. I I don't think Don Rico is is with us still.
0: But basically, a lot of people who had their hands in creating a lot of the Marvel characters that were featured in the movies are stepping up and saying that they kind of want their... Their, either themselves or their grandfathers or fathers or whatever to get their due.
1: Yeah. Of. This happened before, um, some of you may remember, when uh, the uh, Siegel-Schuster lawsuit went on for Spider-Man. Superman. I mean, uh, for Superman, excuse me. So uh, this happened before when the Siegel-Schuster uh lawsuit went on for Superman. Uh that lawsuit against DC was unsuccessful. Uh but it did end up with them getting name credit after that. Um, yeah, every
0: Superman movie like uh uh Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Justice League, you'll get Jerry, uh, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe, Sh- Joe Schuster.
1: Yeah. Um, which is also kind of what happened with the, um, cane finger, uh, thing with Batman as well, is they're kind of like, well, we're not really going to give you all the gajillions of dollars that you're probably owed, but we will put your name on there. In a lot of ways, uh, Stan Lee got kind of all the credit and a lot of these writers and artists that worked on there didn't get the same amount of credit that Stan Lee got. I mean, le- let's just face it. Stan Lee got a cameo in like every Marvel movie until his death and after, you know? Yeah. Um, And a lot of these other writers are not household names.
0: Jack Curley yeah. really was the only other marvel writer that got that big do that stan lee got and even then you know kirby never got a cameo in any of the movies
1: well here's the problem though um i'm going to say right now that they have a really hard hill to climb with this one um best of luck to them uh honestly but i think they have a really hard hill to climb on this one even more so than the unsuccessful DC thing, because here's a hint. Um, Siegel and Schuster, they are the undisputed creators of Superman. No one is saying that they didn't absolutely fully create that character. They brought that character whole cloth to the company. Marvel worked in a different way. They had something called the Marvel method, which is they sort of sat around in a bullpen and somebody would throw out an idea that was like, uh,
0: I we're going to have a guy. Walls.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a guy and he's going to be bit by a spider and he's going to um, have spider powers and he's going to climb on walls. Um, you, go draw it. You uh, write some words about it.
0: Yeah, make a story and all that.
1: And then, you know, people would kind of go off and everything. And sometimes it wasn't always entirely clear how much each person really did contribute because it was kind of a free-for-all sometimes people in the room might call out more ideas like, well, what if he had these little things on his hands that shot webs out, um, and helped him swing around on things? Well, you know, what if his costume was kind of red and bluish and, you know, what if it, you know, and what if he had a
0: grandma, Uh,
1: grandma's too old, make it his aunt. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It, it really, it really was apparently kind of like that. And, So 30 or 40 years later, sometimes you don't always remember exactly who in the room called out what at the time. And once these things, you know, at the time, these things are not huge money-making properties. You're just a bunch of guys getting paid by the page. Uh, for what you're working on that day. And at the time, that's enough for you. You're not seeing... Because at the, at the time, none of this stuff... No comic is making that kind of money. Nobody's thinking about copyrights and movie deals and television. That's not a thing. That wasn't a thing in the 60s, no. Yeah. Um, and so... No, nobody's thinking about one day Disney's going to have you know multi-billion-dollar franchises, and all the money in the world is going to be tied up in this ridiculous little idea we're calling out. One day, and I need to make sure it's on paper that I have a forty percent stock in the creation of Aunt May. It's it it just it's not a thing, and honestly, it shouldn't be a thing today. It's ridiculous that it, it should be a thing today, but at the same time, here's companies that didn't even really have a hand in any of this creation, making all of the money in the world off of these creations now, you know, so it's gonna be difficult for most of these people to say you know i created this percent of this character and i am owed this uh, amount in front of a court because that's all a court cares about and these things sort of get murky with the way marvel did things back in the day and if Siegel and Schuster couldn't do it being able to say we each created 50% of Superman. Mm -hmm. I really hesitate to say how the heirs of someone who was in a free-for-all room like that are going to be able to go up against the mouse and all of the lawyers that the mouse controls, you know?
0: Yeah, we've seen what the mouse can do in court.
1: Yeah, I mean, best of luck to them. Hope you get even a penny out of it. But, you know, I think think they, they know what they're up against. And they might even just be wanting to... Have somebody remember their dads or their granddads or, you know, whoever it may be, you know, and get the names circulating out there and being like, hey, don't forget that these guys did the work too. Yeah. It wasn't all just Stanley. Stanley, you know, great guy, but, you know, it was a whole room full of people contributing I mean, to these characters you love. Yeah. Show some respect. Yeah.
0: So I guess that's all we can say on that. Again, developing story. We'll see how it goes. So let's move on to (laughs) the future. The future. The future of 2049 with Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Four words. Disney Channel Original Movie. Uh, The Disney Channel Original Movie. I mean, hmm that is, that is something we've talked about off mic for a while. Since we started this podcast, how are we going to cover these movies and which one do we start with? Do we start with like the more modern ones like Descendants? Do we go to one of the more well-known ones like High School Musical? Uh, I brought it up once in a conversation off mic, but um, you, Kiki, mentioned that several of our listeners had mentioned this movie, Xenon.
1: Yeah, I've I've had a couple of people who who listen to the show kind of ask, um, "Hey, are are you ever going to do this one?" Um, so this is the one we kind of ended up on as our first Disney Channel original because it's the only one that really got mentioned by any of our listeners as a, you know, nobody was was asking about, uh, you know, High School Musical. <laughs> uh behind the scenes, but a couple of people did bring up Xenon as a hey, are you ever gonna cover this? So uh you asked for it. <laughs> I remember this movie. I have
0: not seen this movie in about 20 years. <laughs> I remember seeing this movie with my at the time five year old niece who loved this movie and could not stop watching this movie. Uh, I was not five at the time. This is 1999. We would have been, what, 17, 18 at the time?
1: Yeah, this would have been right at the end of uh my final year of high school. I would I, I would have been getting ready to graduate. I assume you would have been, too? Yeah, January 1999. So, yeah, this is, we were already
0: out of the age range of the DCOMs, as it were. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I think I might have had Disney Channel by this time. I think they may have added it to our cable by by this point. Um but this would not have been something that would have appealed to me had I seen the commercials for it. Uh cuz this was very obviously aimed at like, you know, tweens
0: yeah 13 year olds the main character is 13 years old
1: yeah and um even for like a 13 year old it really felt like it was going for like a kind of 10 to 12 age range like i said my niece was five and in love with this movie yeah i i, I might i might even be be a uh, kind of uh kind i uh, you know i'm I don't want to feel like I'm knocking this this movie too much because I was trying to think of like, well, what was I into at the time? And the answer was blues clues. I was into blues clues at the time, so like I can't really I'm not trying to front that I was too cool for this movie, okay?
0: I mean <laughs> you were one of the people that got really emotional when when Steve put that message out a few weeks ago.
1: I yeah. This we are we are a few a few weeks after the Stevening. Um, uh, uh, which approximately every single person on the planet sent me that video (laughs) within about a two hour period. (laughs) Um, the, um, uh, and, and and yes, I, I, I cried so, so hard. Yeah. Um, but the, this is such a, such a nineties film. Like, I mean, this is the very end of the 90s right here, but it is such a 90s film. This was right at the end of what
0: I would call, we've mentioned it, the Kid Power era of films.
1: Oh, yeah, it is such a Kid Power film. And that's
0: most, if not all, of the Disney Channel original movies. The you know, here's this kid, this kid is smart, the adults just don't understand, and they don't listen to the kid, but the kid is know something, the kid's right, and in the end, oh the kid saves the day.
1: Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna talk about that more later, kind of when we get to the the resolution of the film, but yeah. This let let's let's kind of get into this. This was apparently based on a book that came out like two or three years before they made the movie and i didn't even
0: know it was based on a book until doing the research for this uh for this movie
1: yeah this the book apparently came out in 97 and it was a picture book it was a little
0: kids book definitely i'm guessing the only the only similarities between this movie and the book is there's a girl named xianon Oh, there's a girl named xenon she lives in the future and there's earth there somewhere and that's it
1: this was supposed to be a a backdoor pilot
0: for a tv show i assume yeah
1: yeah it, it didn't
0: stick but it did spawn two sequels that aired on the disney channel xenon being the first DCOM to ever get a sequel there was a uh, xenon the sequel two years later, and three years after that, there was Xenon Z3. Yeah,
1: and um, I've, I've kind of read the synopses for both of those, and each film sounds crazier than the last.
0: All right, so Xenon, the book, is about a girl who lives in a space station, which is in this movie. She's sent out to Earth to live with her aunt to keep out of trouble and spends summer on a farm. Learning the old fashioned low tech way of life, that's very little in this movie uh, there's a farm at
1: one point in this movie, <laughs> yeah, we do sort of see part of a farm at one point um yeah I, I don't know um we we get uh some some very interesting cast uh people a few of whom we've talked about before um let's let's just kind of run through it real quick um we have Kirsten Storms as our main character Xenon um she was in Kim Possible yeah, she was the voice uh, of Bonnie
0: and Kim Possible.
1: Yeah, um, so we've... I
0: don't think we record, We talked about any episodes that she was in.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember um, coming across the character of Bonnie. Uh, interestingly, uh, she played the grown-up version of a character I remember from the only soap opera I ever watched. um when i was a kid uh i used to watch days of our lives because my mom watched days of our lives and after she died i i kept watching it for a while to kind of keep a connection with my mom and the big like power couple on there had a baby and i never made it out of the point where the the baby on there was past like toddler age or whatever but apparently when the kid grew up it grew up into the chick who played Xenon <laughs> but I never made it to the point where where she she played that character uh, But and then later she went on to be on General Hospital so she was a soap opera actress after she did Xenon um good work but, you can get it yeah um But, uh, Raven, Raven Simone was her best friend, Nebula. Nebula?
0: Oh no, is Gamora on the way? (laughs) Not that Nebula. (laughs) Although Raven Simone playing that Nebula will be awesome.
1: That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but of course, Raven Simone was best known for Cosby show. That's
0: a Raven on the Disney Channel a few years uh, after this movie came out.
1: Yeah, and then she went on to do That's a Raven, and uh, she was in one of the Princess Diary movies and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, she also did Kim Possible uh, later on. Um, And now uh, she's kind of doing her own thing. She was on The View for a while and Yes, yeah, she did
0: a revival of that so Raven called Raven's house for the Disney Channel,
1: yeah, uh, and now you know she's just being kinda awesome and you know she just kinda hanging out and you know hanging out with her wife and you know her family and
0: they living her best life
1: <laughs> yeah she's she's kind of been living her best life for a little while. It's... Pretty awesome, uh, but uh, we've we talked about a uh, couple of the people that have been on here. Um, one of which is uh, the commander of the space station, played by Stuart Penkin, who we talked about back when we did dinosaurs. He's the voice of Earl Sinclair, so he's in here. Uh, we talked about uh, one of the kids, Andrew. Uh, One of Xenon's friends cohorts uh, played by Brendan Richard Jefferson, who played X-Ray in Holes. Um, So we've talked about him before. Um, Her uh, aunt is played by a woman named Holly Folger, who, uh, if you were watching sitcoms back in the late 90s, you may remember her as being one of the characters on Ellen. Uh, Ellen's uh, TV show when she uh, came out and all that. Uh, Holly Folger was one of the main characters on that show when that made big headlines. Um, Philip Reese, the guy that plays, uh, Protozoa in this movie, the big rock star, uh, he has been most recently seen, uh, in, uh, Doctor Who, uh, he came back for the Christmas special, The Husbands of River Song. Uh, and he also showed up in the uh, George R. R. Martin TV series, Night Flyers, that came out a couple of years ago on Sci Fi Channel. Um, one of Xenon's other uh, friends was known for playing the son of Teal'c on uh, Stargate, uh, Ryak. Uh, So if you were watching Stargate back in the 90s, you'll remember him from that. Um, Her mom is played by uh, Bator, one of the Duras sisters from the Star Trek uh, Next Generation uh, and Deep Space Nine and the the films and all that kind of stuff. Um and uh her boyfriend uh is played by Gregory Smith who is uh Alan Abernathy in Small Soldiers. So, you know, 90s kids will remember. Yeah. 90s kids can't forget. They remember everything. Yeah. Um but yeah so it's it's kind of a really bizarre, interesting cast uh some of the people that that show show up um the the guy that plays the the big villain in this Wyndham is one of those guys that just showed up everywhere at the time. Um, you know, he was in like hard to kill with Steven Seagal, and he would show up on like Remington Steel and X Files and Murder She Wrote. And yeah, he was just one of those guys that he, it was hard to get away from him. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah. Well, hey, it's that guy. Um, guy named Frederick Coffin. He, he showed up, which is an awesome name respect to that name if you're do you, I don't know if that was his birth name or a, or a, a stage name but awesome name uh, so but yeah it's a it's a rather interesting cast and I found myself going wait a minute <laughs> quite a lot for this
0: a lot of people in this in this in this movie is oh hey it's that person
1: yeah, I was I was really shocked to see uh, Gwyneth Walsh uh, Beator as her mom. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that was not a a person I expected to see, and she's so sweet in this. You know, it's uh, you know, no offense to Gwyneth Walsh, who uh, you know the, the sweet woman, but you know, I. I did not expect to see her be like this very sweet motherly type because I'm used to seeing her pull out bladed weapons and try to kill people. Um, what
0: what 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 Klingons need is a calming helmet.
1: Yeah, like the stress helmet. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's let's kind of get into our thoughts on the the plot and the movie proper for a I'm movie. Going-
0: I'm going oh. to say one thing, because, again, this is something that takes place in the future. Uh, on one hand, I want to give credit for the future technology they have in here, but it's also the same kind of future technology we've been seeing in every kind of movie from this era. Like, these guys have iPads. Really,
1: really thick and heavy iPads.
0: The iPad wouldn't come out till 10 years later.
1: Really bulky, heavy... I mean, it's it's the same kind of like, wouldn't it be great if you had a tablet?
0: that You could take anywhere and communicate with people with.
1: Yeah, I mean, they sort of have a smartphone kind of thing, except it's FaceTime. It's FaceTime. They have the, it's all it's, it's good for. It's a smartphone that only does FaceTime. That's it.
0: Yeah, no, no Netflix on this on this tablet,
1: and no internet either. She has to go to a terminal at school to use the internet, and it is still nineteen
0: ninety five
1: AOL to dial up.
0: But it does have like electric cars, self driving cars, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, except all the cars are VW Beetles. Somebody paid a lot
0: to get these VW Beetles in this movie.
1: Which is hilarious because the type of cars they're driving aren't even made anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, by by the time we're recording this, they aren't even made anymore. They they have stopped production of those those cars. Um, which is hilarious. Yeah, the first thing we see is is kind of you know, her wake-up routine and everything, at which point she has filmed. She records, a, she records
0: a, 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 a her own alarm to herself, saying get up, you have a test today.
1: Yeah, and then it ends with hey, I know you don't like to wake up like this, but it could be worse. You could be living down there, at which point we pan out to see she's talking about the Earth And she lives on a space station. Let's look at this glorious space station, which is made from the worst CGI in 1999. This is a TV
0: movie. We're not talking big budget Hollywood special effects here.
1: Even for a TV movie, this is the worst CGI. You were watching Babylon 5 around this time, weren't you? Yeah, but Babylon 5 had some really freaking good... I mean, Babylon 5 was off the air by 1999. But um, Babylon 5 also had way better CGI than this. And it was several years before this. Um, I'm going to tell you that in 1993, um, Sequest had better CGI than this. and that was six years earlier than this. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm telling you that I know things on much more shoestring budgets than this with way better CGI than this. That came out years before. There is no excuse for the CGI in this film, is all I'm saying. It's, it's bad. It is awful. I think even in 1999, I would have looked at this and gone like, Oh, wow, this is... This is they gave this to somebody's little brother to to do as his school project. <laughs> um and all my favorite part of this film is that every single door has a Simon game embedded in it. And I want to know why. I want somebody to find me the set designer for Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. I want a name. <laughs> Can you or imagine? That's how you unlock your show. door.
0: It's playing a game of Simon.
1: But the thing is, nobody ever touches one. The entire film, it's it's not a it's not a lock. It's not a code pad. It's not a press here to enter. They're all automatic doors. But next to each door is a Simon game embedded in the wall just for shiggles, apparently i don't i don't know what it is i don't know why it's there
0: it it's the
1: future yeah and it <laughs> is so goofy and i laughed every time i saw one life's not so
0: good in the future apparently uh, this space station has seen better days they they say that uh the the commander said that the the space station's been around for 25 years and In the opening scene of the movie, we're seeing that there's parts of this space station that is closed and there's construction and they go on how there used to be fires and things breaking down and uh, life's not so good in the future. (laughs)
1: Even in the future,
0: nothing works.
1: (laughs) But apparently it is way better than Earth because Xenon keeps talking about how her mom told her stories of Earth and that you're constantly mugged and there's horrible tornado storms.
0: The weather changes every five minutes. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it rains and then snows and then there's like a lightning tornado with hail inside of it, or something. I don't know. She has all these wild stories. And the thing is, is that you kind of sort of believe her at, at first. Cause I mean, look outside right now. You
0: know,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like
0: that might be the future in 2049 if we're still here in 2049.
1: Just in the month before we've recorded this, like one half of the country is on fire. The other half of the country is like flooding in ways that it probably shouldn't be at the same time. So, you know, all of these stories she's telling, I'm kind of like, yeah, that kind of sounds like where we're headed. Okay. I can buy it, you know? And, so, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I I'd, I'd stay there too. Um it is a bit of an annoying life because someone tried really hard to make it future slang kid time ultra major coolness nebutudinous lunar The slang,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, kids have slang, so they... I understand the idea of giving these future kids new slang words. I get it. But it gets annoying after a while.
1: You know what? As a linguist, this kind of bothers me. Because I kind of want to go that's... Sort of not how language works, I mean it is, but it isn't, but I don't know, maybe just call a linguist and ask them. They're <laughs> like
0: they can't even afford d c g think they can afford <gasps> a linguist?
1: oh, we're dirt cheap, like it's show up and give us a bag of cheetos i'm sh- I'm sure to t- <laughs> be like here, linguist, linguist, linguist. Do you want a taco and to play with words? We'll put your name in a movie. Uh, like twelve of us will show up. It'll be fine. One Nobody cares I... about us. We'll be like, you remembered we exist. You'll let us play with the word things, okay? One Wait, thing that
0: I'll put... one thing I, I do want to point in this one is that apparently there's no actual teachers on this space station, since the one teacher we see is a hologram. Likely from Earth.
1: Well, yeah, space is limited and people care about teachers even less than they care about linguists. Trust me, I'm both. And this is not just
0: any old space station. This is a corporate-owned space station that is there to do research for a company. Capitalism in space!
1: Yay. Elon Musk was right. (laughs) Don't it, ever say that again.
0: Uh it, yeah.
1: The um The thing is is that her Xenon's parents are doing medical research in space. Something about bone marrow. Um which I am very pleased to see as someone who comes from a family who could <laughs> probably benefit from some phone mirror research this is kind of interesting and their research can only be done in an area that has a weightless environment so it's very important that this space station keeps going uh, because her her parents and medical research in general need this space station to keep existing but Xenon keeps getting into trouble because kid, because kid. Um, Xenon's just like you, she gets into trouble too. No, no, I didn't.
0: You were a good, I was girl. the most
1: boring kid ever. Yeah, I'm uh, my getting into trouble was I didn't clean my room in time, <laughs> that, was, that was like the worst trouble I ever got in. Um, but. Oh. She, yeah, but the thing about it
0: is that the one of the main plot points of this movie is that Xenon's favorite band, Microbe, and her one and only super crush lead singer, uh, what's the name of this stupid guy? Protozoa. Protozoa. That is a heck of a stage name. <laughs> So, Microbe and their lead singer, Protozoa, are coming to the space station to do the first ever rock concert in space. And they're going to hold a contest with the kids on the space station. And the winner gets to go on stage and dance with the band. But at the same time, the commander is saying, "Uh, yeah, the boss is coming up here to check on what we're doing. And uh, if he doesn't like what what he sees, he's going to shut us down.
1: So everybody has to be on their best behavior, but also Xenon wants to scavenge from all the recycling bins, which is how the kids get the materials to make all their cool clothes and jewelry and stuff. They just take things from the the recycling bins. Um, It's not a bad thing. At least it's recyclable stuff. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know why they don't let the kids do it so long as it's not really uh, necessary stuff.
0: I think it's one of those safety things, because they try to make the recycle bin thing look like the garbage pit in Star Wars, but it's not disgusting garbage.
1: But, like, why don't they just have a day where, like, the kids can pick through some of the less awful stuff before it goes into the recycle bin. Uh, Xenon, Xenon is not the only kid on the space station, you know, and everything needs to be recycled on the station anyway. Yeah. If they know the kids are doing this, why not do a bit of harm reduction? Like, you know, take a little bit of the cloth and some of the lesser important metal or whatever mm-hmm. and be like okay kids here's the the recycle stuff have your day and then whatever the kids don't take goes into the recycling bin
0: yeah that would but that would make sense
1: yeah uh, i mean because it's still being recycled you know yeah it, it's still being reused and it's keeping the kids out of trouble because they're doing crafts with it. Yeah, Xenon takes all of this recycled
0: material and makes a statue of Protozoa as her I'm their number one fan, please let me win the contest.
1: And it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, good job. I like that I like that Nebula just writes an essay.
0: Not very creative, uh, Nebula.
1: Well, no, I, I, I do appreciate that Xenon says that that is what Nebula is good at. Xenon is good at crafting things, and Nebula is good at words. I
0: wish the crafting would have played more into the plot.
1: yeah. It it would have been cooler, but I did like that they threw in when when Nebula says you made a statue and I just wrote some stupid words and she said, but no, that's your skill. You know, you have the skill with words and I have the skill with and that's what makes us cool. And I wish they had played into that a little better. I get that this was supposed to be a pilot, Mm -hmm. and that had this gone to a series, it probably would have shown up more in future. Yeah. Um, But I did like the idea that Xenon didn't go like, well, that's what makes me better than you.
0: Well, that's for BF. Gotta support the BF.
1: And I did like that about Xenon's character is that she's very supportive of the people around her. Yeah. Except for the mean girl.
0: I mean even the even the boys on the space station kind of make fun of her for liking Micron. Apparently, in the future, music has no melody, and you're not supposed to understand the words that are being sung, which makes me wonder: is mumble rap the king in the twenty in twenty in this twenty 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 forty nine
1: year? I I don't know, but I'm glad that at least some. I mean, maybe I'm just old, but uh, I do, I do like that some melodic. Uh, lyrical uh, music has survived but Xenon tries really hard because her parents do tell her that it will ruin their entire lives if she acts out while the CEO Wyndham is on the space station and Doesn't help the fact that she
0: steals a spacesuit to go see a uh, supernova.
1: Yeah, that is one of the things that she steals a spacesuit to go see a uh, the the supernova pass by.
0: I love the 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 punishment scene afterwards because it shows. That Xenon get a, gets a lot of her spirit from her dad because he's like, Oh man, that was so cool. You're still in trouble, but that was so cool.
1: Yeah, her dad is the one that, that she connects with more, and her mom is more aloof and focused on her job, and you know. Um, but she does promise to be good and she does genuinely try, and that's the the really tragic thing. Yeah, Is that she really, really tries, but she immediately catches on that there is something not right about the CEO, which, good for her. There's never anything right about a CEO. He, she notices that every time the CEO, the
0: CEO lies, he tends to blink very rapidly. So and, when and, he says, "I oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Micron, you know, or he talks to the other kids and how he's really into what they're into, trying to butter them up. But she instantly knows the minute he, he talks about being a fan of Micron and their big song, that she can tell that he's kind of full of crap.
1: Yeah, he gets he gets the, the, the name of the band wrong. You know, it, it's... it's.
0: He gets the lead singer's name right, though, but not the band.
1: Yeah, he, he says, you know...
0: Mic- microscope.
1: Yeah, he says Microscope instead of Microbe. And uh, she's immediately like, uh-huh, yeah, right, you're you're a big fan, sure. But she, she butters him up and she tries to, you know, make her parents look good in front of him. But she immediately knows that something's wrong. Uh, and then while she's trying to find stuff in the recycling bin for her statue, she notices his lackey... Uh, Lutz is trying to break into a uh, really restricted area on the space station that nobody should have access to because it's very sensitive and could cause problems uh, if the wrong people are in there and she gets him away from that area right then because she catches him but then she starts following him around, trying to see what's, what's wrong. Um, and she sees him put some kind of disk in there, but she doesn't know what it's doing. And in trying to leave the area, she sets off an alarm and gets caught. And uh, the head of the space station will not believe that Lutz was even in there. Yeah, he even Be-
0: says a hey, Lux was in his quarters the entire time. Why would he lie? It's
1: uh, not because- it's not like
0: it's amazing that this space station doesn't have security cameras in that area.
1: Yeah, you would think they would. Um but the one thing we've we've figured out about the head of the space station is that he hates children. He thinks that they're troublemakers and liars, no matter what. And honestly, Xenon is always in trouble. So why would you believe her? I mean, you do kind of feel for the guy. She is always in trouble. And he's trying to run. He's trying to run
0: this this space station to the best of his abilities, and he's trying to keep these kids from running around causing problems.
1: Which Xenon is generally the one that always does? If something goes wrong, it's Xenon's fault, and we've seen that several times by this point in the movie. Why is it always you three? I don't know, ma'am. Yeah. The um, old adage, like if the principal
0: knows your name, it's not good.
1: <laughs> generally not, no. Um, but he, the the head of the space station leaves it up to Xenon's parents but he says if you don't make her punishment fit the crime I'm going to make sure that you know you're all punished basically. Their jobs and their lives are on the line here um, as far as their lives on the space station and so they decide that they have to ground her literally ground her literally to the ground so they send her to Earth to live with her Aunt Judy for an undetermined period of time until she learns her lesson the only problem is Xenon has been on the space station since she was five she doesn't remember any other life all of her friends are here She's doesn't remember being on Earth she doesn't you know, understand gravity. She's never had food from Earth. She's never, you know.
0: She immediately gets hay fever the minute she gets off the shuttle because she hasn't breathed actual air.
1: Um, She has trouble walking because of the change gravity. in gravity. Yeah. You know, she, her clothes and her manner of speaking and, you know, her, everything is completely out of touch there. Yeah, it's because when you first see Xenon
0: and all the kids on the space station, all right, bright pastel colors, it's something right out of Back to the Future too, with the bright pastel colors, but once you get on Earth, everyone is just reg- wearing regular clothes.
1: Yeah, it looks like the 90s, you yeah. know, on Earth.
0: They try to hand wave it away, with the ants saying, well, we're not like New York and LA, which have super futuristic cities, we're just going to have our, our regular old town. Which is they're, a cheap way to say we didn't want to build a futuristic city.
1: Yeah. They never say exactly where she is on Earth, but you get the feeling that she's been sent to a more, not rural area, but a it's more... It's Toronto! <laughs> well, it's Toronto in in real life. um, But it's it's meant to be more uh it, it's actually in in Vancouver um in at least for part of it i don't know if it was it was filmed in part but that um what's it called like the nation plaza or something like that um it's not there anymore but they used it in like every single sci-fi show in the the late 90s it's it's in so many things um and it had all the the nation flags and everything and that big glass mm-hmm. whatever and they just every show at the time thought it looked futuristic so it's in every single show at the time if you watched a lot of sci-fi in the late 90s so of course it's in this but uh it was in vancouver um I don't know if they filmed the rest of it in Vancouver, but I don't see why they they wouldn't have. Um, It's meant to be like, oh, we're kind of in the backwater or whatever. Theoretically, they're probably in America, maybe since she references New York and LA. But who knows? Like, They don't even really give a specific country. Um, Although they do say President, chelsea clinton oh yeah i forgot about that so i guess they're supposed to be in america because there's a thing where he mentions
0: president clinton it is 99 and his and her father former president bill clinton all things considered chelsea clinton wouldn't be a bad president (laughs)
1: uh
0: she wouldn't be the greatest president but we've had worse
1: well, just because we've had worse doesn't make somebody a great person. I don't know um yeah. the uh, i but but uh compliments on the joke the I, the joke is funny. The interesting thing is though, is that uh they go through all this like um she's never seen ornamental flowers before. Because everything on the space station has to have a purpose. Purpose, yeah. So it's either there to create oxygen or create food. So you have to have something that's either a big oxygen output plant, uh, which might be like um, an algae maybe or a tree, um, or it has to be really good for nutrition. Um so once again, like an algae <laughs> or um, and, uh, like so you they- mentioned
0: earlier, all of the food that they have on the space station it, all, on the space station is grown on the space station. So they don't have pizza or hamburgers or anything like that.
1: Yeah, it does seem to be a pretty vegan diet because it would take too much to uh raise like a cow or a pig. Um on the, on the station. So, uh, it seems to be a lot of, like, protein bars and stuff that she's eating. Um, Impossible burgers. <laughs> the, uh, oh, these things smell so awful and they taste worse. Um, but the second that she kind of gets down there and tastes, like, earth food she's immediately like this is the greatest thing ever uh but she does things like um of course I can ride a bike and then immediately falls over and she was like oh yeah I forgot there's stationary bikes up there (laughs) I didn't account for like forward motion
0: she said Um, she can swim but she can only swim in space and Apparently uh the space station is on the metric system, which they're not in that's how you know it's in
1: America. Yeah, that that was the one thing that I was like, oh yeah, they 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 really have to be in America. Uh because she sets it for Celsius instead of Fahrenheit. Um But you know, the She doesn't have money
0: because they don't use money on the space station.
1: Yeah, stuff like that. The interesting thing is, is that she gets to Earth and almost immediately gets a boyfriend. Uh
0: main character syndrome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do love her aunt's snarky little thing about like, you've been on Earth for like two days and you already have much better, uh, uh,
0: luck, luck with with, man, yeah.
1: with men. Um, of course, later the when the aunt goes to the space station, she gets. Her love interest within like 20 seconds Of walking off the shuttle Um But The uh the interesting thing is Is that she gets her her boyfriend And her boyfriend's like I work with horses Do you want to go With me and then Xenon's like oh Like a real like real horses And I was like Ah Xenon horse girl Of the future (laughs) Um which, which I thought was was kind of cute. So yeah, Greg's
0: job is yeah. that he takes care of the horses on this farm.
1: Which, cool job. Yeah. Cool job, Greg. Uh, Her middle part of the movie for me kind of dragged because it was just kind of uh, fish, fish out, out, out of, of water. water. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't interestingly fish out of water.
0: Yeah, th- you can really tell this is supposed to be a pilot because each of the three acts of this movie is structured like each one is an individual episode of a TV show.
1: But the more interesting plot is what is going on with this Wyndham character. Um, on yeah. the space station, in the kind of uh, when the alarms go off, when Xenon sets off the alarms lutz drops the disk he was putting into the computer system and it's found by nebula who just thinks like oh cool recyclable thing and she turns it into an earring for xenon that she gives her when she's leaving the space station and lutz sees it when they're back on earth and immediately starts trying to get it back from xenon because he recognizes it as his disk uh the
0: old adage of discs will get smaller, and this disc, the CD, is about the size of a quarter. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, it's a, it's rather large. Um,
0: but the point is that, uh, yeah, that was one of those things. I mean, Men in Black was around the same time and had that same kind of joke.
1: Yeah. Um. But let's begins to follow Xenon around trying to get this disc, uh, ends up tossing Aunt Judy's house trying to look for it and following Xenon on her first date with Greg, all that kind of stuff. So Xenon, with the help of Greg, finally realizes that this earring is what they're looking for and figures out it's a computer disc and they put it into a computer and immediately fry the computer because it's a computer virus.
0: But they have a smart friend, you have Andrew here, they have X-Ray here, who is super smart and is able to reverse engineer the virus into, a. well, he calls it an undo button, but it's an antivirus.
1: Yeah, but they quickly figure out that it's basically meant to crash the space station, it's just taking longer to do it because the systems on the space station are much more complicated and there's more of them so xenon calls her parents on the space station she's like hey everybody is everything okay are you experiencing glitches up there is anything going wrong and they're like no honey everything's fine she's like i really need to get up there i have this antivirus that can completely fix your computer system i tried uploading it remotely but it will only work if i'm physically bring it to the space station you need to get me on a shuttle and back up to the space station right now i can fix your systems and they're like there's nothing wrong with our systems you're just trying to get back up here so you can see that protozoa concert yeah um and we're not gonna let you do that. You have to stay back, stay down there and learn your lesson. Okay, bye. And they hang up, and immediately it shows the parents going, like, how did oh, she you know, know everything yeah. was yeah. going wrong on the station? And like everything is exploding behind them. Everything is going wrong on the space station. And immediately I'm thinking, Okay, your daughter on the ground where no news has gotten out about the space station, has said, hey, I know the space station is going crazy, and I have a thing that can fix it. Just the fact that she knows everything is going wrong on the space station, wouldn't you at least hear her out? It's the product of the
0: Kid Power movie, where the parents never trust a kid, you know. In a, in a realistic world, yes, they would at least ask the kid something. Or at least later in the they do it later in the movie where they straight up accuse Xenon of sabotage.
1: Yeah, but even if you were, even if you thought she sabotaged it, wouldn't you want to question her about how she sabotaged it so you could figure out how to fix it? True. I mean, wouldn't you at least keep her on the line and ask her questions? The fact that she knows what's going on on a space station she's had no contact with for, like, a week seems suspicious, at the very least. Wouldn't you have, like, somebody detain her on the planet, even? I I don't know.
0: I don't know. So, obviously, the parents are going to be no help, so she calls Nebula and saying, hey, I need you to look at the schedule of, uh of uh, ships that are going to deliver supplies to the space station. Tell me when the next one is leaving. I got to get one on there because uh, something's going down.
1: Yeah. And Nebula finally confirms for her like, oh yeah, everything's going nuts up here. <laughs> everything stuff is on fire. Uh, everything like we're losing power. Things are going cold and then hot and, you know, stuff doesn't work. And Xenon's like, I know it, you know, I knew it, and um, everybody up there is going to die if I don't get back up there with this uh, chip. And all of her friends race to go get to this uh, cargo ship that's leaving within the hour, and they just miss it.
0: Don't you just hate it when you run into the bus stop and you just see the bus fly by?
1: Oh, the worst.
0: But... (laughs) Luckily for her, Protozoa is at is about to leave in their shuttle, his shuttle, microbe shuttle, up to the space station for the concert. So she has to get there and get on microbe shuttle to get up to the space station.
1: Now the interesting thing is is that Wyndham is one sick, sick man because. They discover over the course of the movie that his company is basically bankrupt at this point and the plan is that they've uploaded this virus. It's going to slowly cause the station to break down. The station was already kind of having some problems at the beginning of the movie. It's gonna look like the problems just accelerated. The space station was old. It's broken down. And it's going to um, basically fall out of the sky (laughs) with all hands on board, including the most popular band on the planet. Who just unfortunately happened to be there at the wrong time. It's going to be huge national news, international news, horrific story, and huge insurance payout. And then Wyndham can rebuild his company and everybody will feel bad for him. Oh, what a tragedy. Who could have seen it coming?
0: It's really, really big arson. Uh, That's what it is.
1: Yeah, it it really kind of is. And Xenon has discovered the the plan, uh, and she ends up going back up with Protozoa. Uh, her aunt ends up getting on board the shuttle. Her aunt that is scared of any sort of Flying, travel yes. or or anything, um, because she's trying to protect Xenon and and take care of her, um, and. In an attempt to get the disc back, Wyndham and his lackey end up on the shuttle as well, uh, all headed towards the space station as it's quickly uh, heading toward meltdown. Xenon gets up there and, you know, with the help of the kids down on Earth, they they all kind of help her get where she needs to go. And she's finally able to get the antivirus in and just seconds you know before the ship you know self-destructs or whatever is able to save the day in front of all of the adults so that she can prove she was the one that did it and they're able to prove that Wyndham and his lackey were the ones that sabotaged it they're able to have the Protozoa concert. Xenon gives Nebula her dance.
0: Well, because she saved the space station. What does she mean? And she even says, I spent the last several hours in a shuttle with for with Protozoa. I don't need to be on stage dancing with him.
1: Yeah, she ended up beating him at poker and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's fine. They're buds now. Yeah. Um, uh they play a song for greg back on earth a love song and
0: uh yeah there's a there's a name for this song i got to find it they get through the zoom everyone calls it zoom zoom in in the in the movie it is called supernova girl
1: yeah it's the zoom zoom make my heart go boom boom song um it's not the worst song i've ever heard it's not the greatest song i've ever heard either
0: this is not gonna be a chart topper. this just sounds and it like wasn't this, this sounds like the b side song of a of a single,
1: yeah, um but the the parents are all like, "Oh, you're the best daughter ever. you're the greatest, you know, we'll love you forever we'll you know and
0: xenon's well, uh, aunt and the commander have hooked up.
1: Yeah, she she comes off the shuttle and thanks to all of the uh, shaking of the space station, she immediately falls into his arms and they have their little meet cute and everything, you know, but I don't know. The thing I was going to say about the the kid power aspect of this is if you were Xenon. Would you ever let your parents live this down?
0: No. Like, I saved your job.
1: <laughs> no, I, I saved, think, this whole I saved thing. your life.
0: I saved your life. I saved everybody's life on this space station. And you didn't believe me. I, I told you things was going down. I told you the boss was shady. And you didn't believe me.
1: Like, at that point, if you're ever, like, doing anything... You know, you're cooking dinner and you're like, I think it needs more salt. And your dad's like, I don't think it needs more salt. And you're like, oh, yeah. Remember how when I was right about the space station going to blow up and kill everybody? And you didn't believe me? Yeah, I think it needs more salt. Like, I just, I would be like the pettiest person about that for the rest of my life.
0: But that's not very Disney.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, honestly, I think pettiness would be very Disney, but <laughs> Real-life
0: Disney, yes. The persona yeah. of Disney, no.
1: Real-life Disney, maybe on-screen Disney, not so much. But, th- that's the thing about these these kid power things, is that I don't know what the sequels are like, but at that point, who who can question that kid anymore? I I I think we should turn left here instead of turn right. Oh, really? Like you thought that there wasn't anything wrong and that there was no an- a- a virus eating your space station and going to kill everybody? Really? Is that is that how you think we should turn left? Like, uh, you, sorry, Xenon. <laughs> That's what I thought.
0: Uh, I've learned from experience. Kiki is always right.
1: And I haven't even saved a space station. <laughs> I'm just saying
0: <laughs> oh so we asked the question
1: might as well
0: does Xenon girl of the 21st century have the magic
1: I don't know as a pilot this might have been okay there's There's some ideas here that like, if it had gotten to be a TV series, they might've been able to flush them out into interesting concepts. Mm -hmm. But as a standalone movie, it just felt weird. I I don't know. I mean, I fully admit that I am not the audience for this film. Mm -hmm. But taking it as a film. You know, the second act drags a lot. Uh, There are parts where it doesn't really hold together cohesively. It's not a bad film. And a lot of what is not great about it can be chalked up to the fact that they were trying to do this as a TV pilot. I'm going to say
0: no. No honestly. And I, I will agree with what you said. This I, I'm not the audience for this. I wasn't the audience for this when this movie came out. And this tends to fall onto the bad side of the kid power type movie. In that, you, you know, none of the adults uh, listen to her at all. Not one. Usually in these kind of, you would get one adult who at least Would either understand her or at least would listen to her or something. But yeah, as a pilot for a TV series, this is definitely, I understand why this was not picked up for a series. As a film, even as a TV film, doesn't exactly grab me, but I can see why it would grab a younger audience and be popular enough to do not one, but two sequels. I can see why, but it's just, this, mm, there's a lot of good ideas in this movie. The idea of here's this kid who's only lived on a space station and has to adjust to life on earth. That is a nice idea for a a, a movie, a show, whatever. But it feels like this just, it falls apart in the second act. It just falls apart in the second act and they try to save it. and. Mm, this doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm also going to say no magic, but I can understand why if you have, like, warm, nostalgic fuzzies for this, I get it.
0: Yeah, if you were the right age for this movie, I can see why you really like this. Just, even as an uh, 18-year-old and 99, I wouldn't have really said, I don't remember anything about this movie, and I think I understand because I wasn't the audience for this movie at the time.
1: But I think just objectively looking at it it's not a well constructed film on on several levels. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's a lot about the uh the writing, the direction, bits of the acting. The actors weren't bad, but I think the way that they were kind of directed Yeah, they weren't
0: given a lot to work with.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, it had more promise than it really delivered on, unfortunately.
0: I feel like even on a TV budget, if done today, it could be done a lot better.
1: Yeah, um, there, there were good ideas there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know.
0: Yeah, good in concept, not so good in execution.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's where where I come down on it as well.
0: I, I don't know if we'll be doing the sequel anytime soon, but uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, no magic unfortunately. Again, sorry if this was one of your favorites, it just wasn't made for us. <laughs> um let's move on to next week. Because next week starts spooky season again. I know a lot of people have already gotten their hoodies and their pumpkin spices. Everything's already. But officially, spooky season starts next week. And uh, we've got one that uh, I've wanted to talk about for a long time. Escape from Witch Mountain. Uh, Have you ever seen Escape from Witch Mountain?
1: I kind of have like a weird feeling that I might have as a kid but I really don't remember a lot about it.
0: This is another one that I I haven't seen in a long time. I'm looking forward to it. There aren't a lot of witches in this movie but, it's, but it is on the more uh, this one is one of the more darker Disney movies of that era. It was in that era where there were trying to make it a a more of a dark movie versus the more lighthearted kid movie. And uh, we're going to go back and see how they did with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. The, there were, there was this kind of whole swath of, of, uh, live action films at the time where they wanted to explore kind of darker concepts, for uh, slightly older kids, uh, and so this is one of them, and we're going to see how it holds up.
0: Join us next week as we escape to Witch Mountain, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at RewatchTheMagic. And, of course, new episodes every week at RewatchingTheMagic.Podbean.com.
1: Remember, the magic is for everyone.
0: It only stops if you let it.